0: Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRinnell.com slash athlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Rinald Show, we talk about some of our treatment tips for hip osteoarthritis. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show. I'm here with the team of physical therapists, at champion PT in performance of Boston, Lenny McCrina, Dan Pope, Mike Scudito, Dave Tilly, Lisa Russell, zigzagging my way through uh, our Zoom gallery, right? It's gallery view, right? We're so good at Zoom, by the way. Um, but yeah, answering your amazing questions as always, anything you guys want to talk about PT fitness, career advice, we're here for you guys. Just let us know, head to dot click on that podcast link and you can fill out the form to ask us more questions today. Guys, we have a great question today. I'm just kidding. What, why would we ever ask a question? That's not great.
1: <laughs>
0: right. So we say that every week, but
1: any guys- <laughs> bad one,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, we have a terrible question this week. Ready? <laughs> Um, let's see. We have Emma from Portland, Oregon. Oh, Len, how do you pronounce that
2: state? Uh, I would say Oregon, but then I moved to the <laughs> south and I switched to Oregon.
0: It's, it's yeah. I don't Dan. How do you pronounce Oregon? Oregon. I, I yeah, never right. There's a debate about it. No. So I think in Boston we <laughs> called it Oregon growing up, right? definitely wow (laughs) i think just us we called it oregon yeah it's funny that I'm, i'm pretty sure like we all did but anyway uh what were we saying emma from portland says hey guys i love your podcast and i'm really starting to look at at you as some of my mentors that's awesome thank you for that um i look forward to listening to you on my way to work every day i'm a new grad pt and i've recently come across a patient with pretty severe case of hip osteoarthritis it doesn 't seem to be resp- responding to anything that I do x rays show severe osteoarthritis. so I was going to ask that question is there was there x rays um, so she doesn 't say the age, but I mean I guess I guess we could talk about if this isn 't a younger or an older person too but uh, but then she 's wondering what are your top five I think she 's big on Instagram What are your top five exercises soft tissue manual therapy or mobilizations uh, that I can do for this pretty irritable hip o a patient so um, I'll let it slide if you guys have four or six or something like that. Emma specifically I got, wants I five, but, <laughs> but, um, all right. So we have a bilateral HIPAA, That's things. So I wonder if there's some dysplasia or something like that going But anyway, bilateral HIPAA, severe via x-rays, man, what, what's the first thing you think of when they come to you and you get this person on your schedule this day who wants to start? Send them to
1: surgery.
0: <laughs> I, was, I think that's going to be our conclusion, but like, like, like I, you got right to the punchline. Everybody literally just stopped this podcast and went to last week's.
2: But, no, I probably what, created controversy.
0: <laughs> Dan, when you see that on your schedule, what's the first thing you're thinking that, like, okay, it sounds pretty bad. How do I figure out if it's bad and what to do? What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I guess the first thing that I was going to say is that at least from what I've seen in terms of hip OA, the research is mixed in whether or not we have a pretty good effect on those folks. And then also the other thing is that total hip replacement has a pretty good outcome for most folks. So I think that's important for PTs to understand. You know, um, I can't tell you how many folks I've had that have been dealing with hip pain for a long period of time, and then they get the surgery and like, I can't believe I waited so long. So obviously age is going to be a big one. You mentioned that. So if they're already an older individual, um then i'm already thinking that that might be a way to go you know uh the other piece is like what have they tried already so if they've already tried, um, first and foremost, I mean, this is not necessarily realm, but weight loss is going to be an enormous one. Uh, so in terms of body weight, if you're losing some significant body fat mass, and I think it's something like 5% of your body weight, you have a significant change with symptoms. So that'd be something to try. Um, and if you're looking down that barrel, then I would say we're trying to get this person moving in any way possible. It's not provoking their symptoms. Um, so obviously avoiding things like dip, deep hip flexion, uh, squatting positions, but it really depends on the individual. Some people hurt with terminal hip extension, you know, so something like walking might be bad for that person, I would just do a thorough evaluation, figure out what they like to do, figure out what they're able to do, and then try to push more of the positive exercise. And if they aren't making a change over the course of time, um, obviously you can try other things, things like hyaluronic acid. I mean, those have mixed support too. um, But the surgery is generally a decent thing to go with, you know? Um, so yeah, try some weight loss. If you, if you're able to do that, I just learned this recently, but apparently, um, body mass index obviously has a big role with osteoarthritis. It's one of the big correlates with people advancing with OA and having pain disability over the course of time. Uh, what's interesting about having a high body mass index is you usually have a lot of fat that accompanies that, uh, Fat messes up the cartilage homeostasis. So if you have a lot of fat cells in your body, you don't turn over uh, cartilage as quickly. It hampers that process. So basically, you're going to have more wear and tear, uh, not because you have necessarily more body weight, but because you have more fat and you don't have that good turnover of cartilage. So um, try to get that person moving. Try to get them loose body fat. Maybe refer them to a nutritionist and kind of work together with that person. Uh, if that's not working. I, I wouldn't be fearful of sending back to the surgeon and say, hey, um, it might be worthwhile to get this hip replaced. Makes
0: sense. Yeah. How about you, Dave? What do you think? Especially, and Dave, I'd love to hear your thoughts too on like maybe somebody that's, that's a little younger and more dynamic and not necessarily the older population.
3: Yeah. I'll kind of weigh in one thought on what Dan was saying with with what we're talking about now, which is the older population, someone who's more advanced. um, And then I'll kind of go that way is, yeah, I think. people who are looking down, like Dan said, the barrel of surgery down the road, sometimes it's really hard for that person to plan that in their life. It's really like to get a hip replacement and you have a lot of things that have to go well in your life to have time, finances, resources, like you have a couple months where you're really not able to do too much. And so something that I've talked a lot with the, especially the newer students that we have is I think people underestimate, like Dan said, how different types of exercise are moving our hip or knee dominant, or they can do certain types of exercise. I think people have this kind of like you know, exercise equals squatting equals, you know, running, you know, that's a lot of people just think like, I need to run more and do some more squats. And like, that's going to make me feel better. But there's a billion different types of variants of exercises that sometimes people, um, are just maybe not educated on how they can do knee dominant or different types of exercises. Like Dan said, do a good eval, find out maybe the three or four things that work well for them and just try to focus on those things. Um, I've had some people in my past, uh, you know, career who, who did really well with just walking in a pool was their version of like getting their heart rate up. And they never thought about that as being something, especially for hip away to unweight some of the hip joints. So play with a lot of options there. And then I think on the, on the younger active population side is obviously this is where I'm more involved in, in terms of my regular clients is these people typically have a lot of osseous and, um, you know, conjugal things that are just the way they're born they have more shallow hip sockets, they have um, their the angles of their crossover sign, what they're called are sometimes more concerning. And these people typically need a surgery at some point to either restore that anatomy or to give them new anatomy that's going to help them be more comfortable. And for these people, typically, it's, it's a lot of this is education on the right dosage and addition by subtraction. Like I find so many people that don't realize some of the things they're doing similarly to what we just talked about are, are provocative. You know, they're, they're squatting super, super deep because someone said they should do that because it's just a good full range motion squat. It's Like there's, there's a benefit to that for strengthening, but so many of the people we see, especially in the fitness, fitness across space space, like, okay, unless you want an Olympic lift, there's really no reason to do a super deep front squat. Like I'm, I fall into that camp, that I could, I could go very, very low and, and load that heavy and my hips start to get cranky if I'm not taking care of myself. So what are your goals? What do you want to get into that? What What's your version of this? And then a lot of that stuff is just grunt work, you know, just grunt work of like hypertrophy of the smaller deep hip stabilizers. We do that with the cuff quite a bit, you know, hypertrophy of the cuff, but the hip has just as many supportive muscles that need to be, you know, getting attention for that very lax, that younger osseous kind of uh, client.
0: Nice. That was great. Uh, what do you guys think? Lisa, Mike, any, any input on this on stuff you've guys seen?
2: Yeah, I can go. I think uh, part of the question was what, what kind of soft tissue techniques or joint mobilizations uh, do we use or do we prefer? I think definitely working on the posterior and, the, and lateral hip structures. So that's the piriformis, the glute, deep hip external rotators, um, and then glute meat and glute men. These I think these structures tend to be sensitized or just uh, uncomfortable for patients. Um, so kind of get in there, do some soft tissue, make that make the soft tissue potentially feel a little bit better, maybe neuromodulate some of that tone then work on, uh, some of those isolated strengthening exercises that Dave was talking about through hip manuals or with the band, there with some weight. Um, and then I will do some joint mobilizations, whether it's like an axial distraction, maybe a lateral, uh, hip mob, something like that, where it can help decrease some of their pain, uh, potentially. Um, so that would kind of be my strategy from a manual therapy standpoint.
0: Yeah, that's good I just, input. I like I like that combining
3: that with some of the exercise modifications for Dan and Dave. I think that's good. What's up, Dave? I just want to agree with Mike because I think in my population, but especially in the ones that we're talking about with Dan and stuff, is like it's it's very easy to undertrain those structures and to get kind of you know a, a, a very quick fatigue of those things that are stabilizing the hip joint, just like a cuff would. So like people typically are underdoing hip thrusts and proper you know side plank, clamshells, side band walks, things of that nature. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, and they make a difference. They really do make a difference. I honestly think just getting them moving, getting them confident in that movement, and getting those muscles—I hate to say firing—because that's you know muscles can't just like they get extinguished. But get those <laughs> muscles going. Um, I, I, I think that's huge, for, huge for people. Exactly. Just I think it's huge for people to get that to get them. Feel like they're exercising. Feel like they're moving, and they get so much more confident in their and how they feel.
0: Yeah. And I, I like the concept Mike said, I mean, like a cranky joint, you're going to have a lot of reflex, a reflexive like guarding and stuff like that. So any soft tissue you can do to, to, to help work on that and, and manual stuff, I think is, is helpful. That's a good use of manual therapy for, for hip pain, right? Are you going to be able to do a uh, randomized control trial to see if that helps? No. But I mean, if you made their day a little bit, uh, a little bit less painful today, and then they can maybe get some more exercise or some, some walking in or something like that, then I, I think you're going to Help them achieve some of their other goals. So, uh, what else? Anybody else have anything exciting? I, <laughs> I an do want to add. Topic. I
2: do want to add that listening to Scaduto talk, it reminds me of listening to talk radio back in the day when like somebody would phone in. Like, it <laughs> it really that bad? Hey guys, like <laughs> long
0: time listener, first time caller.
2: Call
0: <laughs> I just want to say the Red Sox stink this year. No, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think, you know, good summary of all this uh, great stuff. I think from the team here, you know, uh, the one thing that that I thought of while you guys were talking to is funny is a lot of people ask me about our movement assessment that we do like in our, our champion performance program. Something like that. And they say like, well, can, you know, can I do this in older people, like even elderly people, people with severe OA? And we're like, of course you can. That's the whole concept is you want to go through the basic fundamental movements that humans do and then just see what they can perform and then work within that, right? Like try to help, people work within that. If somebody has pain with squatting, but they don't have pain with like stepping and, and hinging, for example, then just don't squat and step and hinge and, 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 and still work on some of those other things. You know, I don't think the solution is to just uh, sit on the couch, if that makes sense. So, uh, Awesome. Another great question. Thank you so much, Emma from Oregon. Just kidding. Oregon. (laughs) Uh, No, but Emma, great question. Appreciate that. I'm sure that's actually something that a lot of our listeners probably deal with. So hopefully that's good. Um, Heck yeah. Are they going to, you know, maybe go back to the doctor and need something? That's okay. But remember, everything you're doing right now is going to help them feel better after surgery if they do need that. So so keep a good optimistic mindset with that. You know, everything you're doing is probably still going to be beneficial at some point in time. So another great question. Appreciate it. Again, head to MikeRynell.com. Click on that podcast link and you can ask us more questions. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And we will keep doing this and see you on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRynell.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question.